Good evening. Turn, if you would, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, it is good to be in your house. We thank you, Lord, for the music that we've enjoyed tonight and the reminder of the truths in the song. Lord, we are thankful for your grace. We're thankful, Lord, for the day that we can look forward to when we will stand before you and the trials of this life will be done. Lord, so many wonderful truths that we consider tonight in song, and I just thank you for that. I pray that you'd help me tonight to say what you've laid upon my heart and that you'd use it to help us in our spiritual lives. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this evening, I think it comes as no surprise whenever I say to you that so far in this letter to the Corinthian believers, one of the things that the Apostle Paul has dealt with and addressed repeatedly was the division that was present there in that church family because of the people's loyalty to different spiritual leaders and influences in their lives. We know that some were committed to Paul, others were committed to Apollos, others were to Cephas, and others said to Christ, and quite possibly uh, other spiritual influences in their midst that the people were loyal to, and so this was creating a division. And so last week as we finished up chapter 3, we watched as Paul said in verse number 21, let no man glory in men. And what he was saying was this, is you don't need to boast in the ministries of man. You don't need to uh, make that your source of, of gladness or your source of arrogance or your source of confidence. He made it clear that all of them belonged to God as saved people. They were all the children of God. And so as we looked at the context, as we looked at it in an in a entirety, or in its entirety, I should say, uh, we watched as the people obviously thought what they were doing was wise. They thought that this was something that needed to be done, the, the fighting for the loyalty. And the Apostle Paul revealed the foolishness of their mentality. And he said, if you want to be wise, then you need to be foolish. And you have to be foolish in the eyes of the world in order to be wise. And so I tried to show us last week, not just within the context of the passage, but within every area of our lives, there is a thing called worldly wisdom and a thing called biblical wisdom. And so many times people think they are wise because they are worldly wise, but the Lord is, he said in verse number 20, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise that they are vain. And so we have to remember that the wisdom of this world does not and has not and will not ever impress the Lord. The only wisdom that matters is biblical wisdom. The only wisdom that matters is what the Word of God teaches. And so if we are worldly wise, but we are biblically ignorant, then we are ignorant in the area of life that matters most. You and I must be willing to be considered a fool in the eyes of the world if we truly want to have biblical, scriptural wisdom. So that is what we talked about last week, and it's been, again, a theme that we've seen over and over throughout this study. Tonight we're going to be in the first five verses of chapter 4. Before we do, I want us to think about something that many of us have done, if not all of us. It goes something like this. We have made a determination about a person based upon a limited exposure to who they are. 
We have made a determination of a person with a limited exposure to who they are. You understand what I'm saying? It would go something like this for those who may not understand what it is I'm talking about. You see someone, and maybe based upon the car they are driving or the home they are living in or the clothes they are wearing, you assume that you now know their financial status. You know that they are rich or you know that they are poor. You know that they must have some incredible jobs or you may say to yourself, I wonder if they even have a job. You look at them and within a matter of a few seconds, maybe a matter of a few moments, you have determined in your mind where they are at based upon your limited knowledge of what you have seen. We've done that before, have we not? Most of us have. It would be something like this. I've touched on this before, but we've said something like this. Well, they seemed like a very friendly person, or they seemed like a very rude individual. Well, how well did you get to know them? Well, I just met them, but I've determined that they are either rude or they are very friendly. And again, the illustrations could go on and on. Now, that being said, sometimes we have been right in the conclusions that we have come to. We have concluded that this person is rich or poor, and we were correct. We concluded that they were friendly or rude, and we were correct. We concluded this, whatever the conclusion may be, and we were right. But many times, if we are honest, here's what we would have to admit. We just missed it. We were dead wrong. Those people aren't rich. They're deep in debt. They don't have a lot of money. They have good credit. You get to know them a little bit better and you realize what it really is. Or you think, well, they don't have any money only to find out they have more than you and everyone else in the room. They just don't present themselves in such a way that it would cause you to think they have all this money. As I've said before, you get to know them and you find out, well, that was really and actually a, a pretty nice person. Or you get to know them a little bit better and you think, well, yep, they're rude and I thought they were friendly. You understand how this works. Sometimes we get it, but just as many times we get it wrong. And really, if we would think about it, more times than not, we do not need to express our opinions of what we think because of the great chance of us being wrong. You understand what I'm saying? Just if, if the thought runs through our head, we just need to say, okay, well, that was a thought that ran through my head, but I don't need to express it to anyone. As I was visiting with Susie before church this evening, I started to say something, and then I said, ah, here I go, I'm, I'm doing the very thing that I'm preaching on tonight. And I started to assume and act like I knew what was going on. And, and I don't have any ideas to what is going on, but I think I know. You know what I need to do? Just shut up and keep my opinions and my thoughts to myself, because as sure as I could be right, I could also be that wrong. We don't always know, do we? We don't always know. Now, notice in verse number one what Paul said. Hopefully we'll understand the point of that illustration in a couple of moments. But in verse number one, the apostle Paul said this to the Corinthian believers. 
Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Just so you know, in the next few verses and in the next several portions of Scripture, guess what Paul is going to be addressing once again? The division amongst the believers in Corinth. All right, and so he says, let no man account of us. Who is that us a reference to? Well, we could go back to verse 22 of chapter 3 and notice where he speaks of Paul and Apollos and of Cephas and again, whoever other spiritual influences may have been. And so whenever he says, let a man account of us, here's what he said. He said, you need to view us as ministers of Christ. This is how you need to view us. This is what your mindset needs to be. This is what your mentality toward us needs to be, that we are simply ministers of Christ. Now, I know that we dealt with this a couple of weeks ago, but because Paul addresses it again, I think we need to address it again. Whenever Paul says, this is how you need to view us, and this is how you need to think of us as ministers, that word minister, to me, it means to be a servant But it also carries with it the idea of being an under-rower. An under-rower. Now, that may not mean anything to you because it didn't really mean anything to me until I read up on it some more. But you know that back in the days in which this letter would have been written, when someone got on a ship, a large ship, you did not just fire up the engines and start sailing to where you wanted to sail or get to where you wanted to go. Okay, and so they may have had the sails up, and that may have aided in getting them and that ship to where it was supposed to go. But many times a ship would have the slaves in the bottom of the ship that were commissioned with the task of rowing that boat to where it needed to get. Not exactly a lovely or desired position to be in. Slaves did not sit around and talk about how they were under rowers and that was such a privileged position to be in. No, to be an under rower would have been a very low position in life. It is not anything that would have come with the sense of pride or clout in the eyes of those around them. Now understand please, Paul is not saying think little of us because we are ministers of the gospel. That is not at all what the Apostle Paul was saying, but he was trying to get them to understand this, that amongst the church where the division was taking place, you need to realize that every one of us are nobodies. I am not special and and above and superior over Apollos. And Apollos is not superior over Cephas. And Cephas is not superior over me. Every one of us are simply stewards, or ministers rather, ministers of Christ. And then he said, and stewards of the mysteries of God. What does it mean to be a steward? It just means this, to be an overseer. So he is an overseer of the mysteries of God. Well, what does that mean? It just means this, the spiritual truths of God that are concealed or hidden to the lost or the unspiritual. 
the lost people are not going to understand spiritual truths, and the carnal are not going to understand spiritual truths. We understand this, don't we, from previous messages? All right, and so here's what Paul says. He says to them, listen, we are simply stewards or overseers of the mysteries of God. This is not anything that we have come up with. This is not our message versus his message or anything of that nature. Believers in Corinth, you've got to get this through your head. All the division that you have, it is senseless and it is ridiculous because every one of us are ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. In verse number 2, he said this, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. What does it mean for something to be required? It means for something to be demanded of someone. He said, you need to know this, that a steward has one requirement, one demand on their life, and that is this, that they be found faithful. What does it mean to be found faithful? That means to be reliable or to be dependable or trustworthy. In the context of this statement, it means this, that as a steward or an overseer of the mysteries of God, what I am required to be is faithful to the ministry that God has given me. It is my responsibility, it is required of me as an overseer to be faithful, dependable, reliable, trustworthy with the ministry that God has given to me. I am supposed to rightly oversee the teaching and the preaching and the declaration of the Word of God. And as Paul was a steward, so would Apollos be a steward, so would Cephas be a steward, and so would every other preacher of the Word of God. What is required of them is to be a faithful steward of the ministry they have been given. Now, why is that important for Paul to convey to the believers in Corinth? For this reason. If people were anything back then like they are now, what people viewed to be important of their spiritual leader may not be important at all in the eyes of God. I don't know exactly what you mean by that, okay? You know what a lot of people like from their preachers today? They like the preacher that makes me feel good. I like that preacher because he makes me feel good. You know, he's just so warm and he's just so friendly and he's just so personable. And you know, he's just like one of us. There's nothing wrong with that. You understand that, right? I, I want to be warm and friendly and personable and, and, and all those things. But at the end of the day, that is not what God called a steward of the mysteries of God to be. He did not say, now listen, when it comes to your ministry, I don't care if you're faithful and reliable and trustworthy and dependable to do what I've called you to do. So long as you're good with the people, that's all I'm worried about. That is not at all what Christ or God said. See, some people like this. 
Well, I like a guy that's funny and witty. You know, I mean, if, if he can make me laugh several times throughout the, the message, if, if he can keep me giggling, and, and maybe if he could tug at my emotions, maybe if he's a really good storyteller, then, then that's what I would like. That's not what a steward has been called to be. Well, I like the steward or the overseer that is, uh, well, you know, he's popular. He's a great orator. He's one that will be there and hold your hand and cry with you. Should a pastor try to be those things? Well, to an extent. But what is the only requirement of a steward? To be faithful to the ministry that God has given them as it relates to the word of God for those people. Now, you've got to understand this because Paul is trying to explain to them, listen, my job is to be faithful. And my job is no different than that of Cephas or Apollos or anyone else. All we are required to do is to be faithful. So let's just assume for a minute that maybe one was a better orator than the other. That had nothing to do with whether or not they were God-called and spiritually qualified to be in the ministry. Suppose one of them had a better personality or a more charming personality. That's all fine and good, but that has nothing to do with whether or not they were faithful to the ministry God called them to. The Apostle Paul is trying to show them something. All of your division and all of your strife and all of your envying, this is ridiculous because what we are, all of us, are ministers of Christ and we are stewards. And as stewards, it is required and demanded of us that we be faithful to the ministry God has called us to. Now, if they're not bent out of shape at this point, they're really about to be. You know why? Because in verse number 3, notice what Paul said. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you. What does it mean to be judged? It means this, to be evaluated. And analyzed. And the idea would be kind of like this, to be cr- critiqued by you. <laughs> so Paul hears, hey, do you know there's division in the church? Are you serious? Yeah, some are following Cephas, some are following Apollo, some are, you know, the really spiritual ones, they're following Christ. And, and Paul, did you know that you've got your own set of followers there in the church, and they're loyal to you, and they're fighting for you, and, and they're standing up for you? And, and the apostle Paul just writes back, and he says, I just want you to know something, church. First of all, we're all ministers. You know, we're all just a bunch of under rowers. You know, none of us are in a real elite, prominent, proud position. And, and, you know, the only thing that is required of me is the same thing that's required of everyone else. I'm just supposed to be faithful to the ministry that God has called me to do. So I don't have to compete with anyone else who is in the ministry. But I, I just want you to know, if you think I'm sitting around worried about what you all think of me, Guys, it's a small thing. Don't you know that that offended some of them? You don't care what we think of you, Paul? No, I really don't. 
For me to be judged and evaluated and analyzed and critiqued by you, for you to come to these conclusions that Cephas is better than me or Apollos is better than me or or whoever you want to put there, you know what? That is such a small thing in my life. You know what I think Paul was wise enough to understand? I think he was wise enough to understand this. You're You're not ever going to please everyone. So to sit around and worry about that as a minister is ridiculous. I'm just going to throw this in real quick. You know what? Preachers need to be reminded of that from time to time. Because preachers want to make sure, well, I'm this to this person, I'm this to this person, I'm this to this person, and oh, no, so-and-so said something critical of me. Oh, goodness, what did I do? Oh, man, I need to make sure that I make things right with them. And oh, goodness, I dropped the ball there. At some point, you know what preachers need to be reminded of? Uh, For you to have your opinions of me, that is a very light thing because I am simply called to be faithful to the ministry that God has given So he said in verse number 3, but with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you. He said next, or of man's judgment. Or of man's judgment. Now someone may say, well, isn't that the same thing? I mean, he's talking about them judging him, and now he's talking about man's judgment. Well, the idea here is kind of like a court of law. Here's the Apostle Paul, and he's saying this, "You, you could take me to a court of law, and whatever they say about me, guess what? That's a small thing also. I don't care what you think of me. I don't care what the courts think of me. Now, here's what's interesting. In verse number 3, he finished by saying this. Yea, I judge not mine own self. What does that mean? Well, it means this. As hard as this is to believe, I don't spend a long time sitting around wondering what I am by way of the ministry other than faithful. You understand this? I'm not sitting around asking myself, did I make him laugh enough? Honey, what did you think? Was it, was it funny or, or was it too heavy? Now, the Apostle Paul couldn't have done that because he wasn't married. But if he had been in a position like me, you know what he would have done many times? He would have second-guessed himself all the time. Because, well, what did you think about so-and-so? And they seemed kind of quiet. Well, well, what about this? And what about this? And, oh, goodness, what about this? You know what the Apostle Paul said? He said, I don't worry myself a whole lot with that. My requirement, what is demanded of me, is faithfulness. So I'm not going to sit around and worry myself a whole lot with whether or not this person likes me or this person likes the other person better. Uh, Listen, it's not that the the Apostle Paul was saying, I I never do some introspection and, and some consideration to who I am and how I'm behaving myself. But what he is saying is this, is I don't sit around and think about where I am in comparison of other men in the ministry because I have simply been called to be faithful. And at the end of the day, that's the only thing I am supposed to worry about is being faithful to the ministry God has given me. So notice what he says in verse number 4. For I know nothing by myself. What does that mean? It means he doesn't know anything. Well, no, that's not what it means. What it means is this. 
to just look at my life right now, I don't know of anything that's out of line. The call has been to be faithful. I'm not real worried what you think. I'm not real worried with what the courts would say if I were standing before the courts, which Paul had some experience in. He said, I don't even spend a long time, really in my own personal life, thinking about who it is I am and my personality or whatever it would be that that he would be judged by in, in the eyes of others. But he says, you know, right now, I mean, there's really nothing that sticks out, you know, as a, as a major flaw or fault or something that I'm needing to work on. But notice what he said. Yet am I not hereby justified? What does it mean to be justified? It would mean to be declared just or to be declared righteous. Now, this is very important because here's what Paul said. Just because I can't think of anything that's wrong right now doesn't make me right. Did you know that Christians get into a position like that sometimes? I can't think of anything that's wrong in my life right now. Well, that doesn't mean you're right. (laughs) I've been wrong before. Say, yeah, I really can't think of anything that's wrong. Well, the Apostle Paul would say, listen, there's nothing that just sticks out right now and grabs my attention. But even with that being the case, that does not justify me or make me right. Notice what he said. But he that judgeth me is the Lord. The one who evaluates, the one who analyzes, the one who critiques, the, the one who puts me under the microscope, so to speak, is the Lord. That is the one I am supposed to be faithful to. I'm not supposed to be faithful to you, church member. I am certainly not supposed to be faithful in the eyes of the courts because I would never satisfy them. And I'm not even supposed to be faithful in my own estimation or in my own opinion because at the end of the day, the one who will judge my faithfulness, the one who will evaluate it and critique it and analyze it, is no one other than the Lord God. My concern is being found faithful with Him and no one else. So all that being said, notice what he said to the believers in Corinth in verse 5. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come. Now, now, what does it mean whenever he says, judge nothing before the time? That means stop all your analyzing. Stop all your evaluating. Stop all your critiquing. Let the Lord take care of that. Now, I want to say more about this in a minute if I remember to. Paul is not suggesting don't have an opinion on anything. He's not suggesting, and we ought to know this if we know anything about the book of Corinth, he's not saying turn a blind eye to sin and just say, well, you know, who am I to judge? That's not at all what he's saying. But in the matters of who is the greatest spiritual leader and who has more clout and who has more influence, whatever the arguments may have been, you know what he is saying? He is saying this, keep your opinions to yourself. 
It is my job to be faithful. It is his job to be faithful. It is his job to be faithful. And if these men are being faithful, then whatever you think of them personally, just keep your mouth shut. Judge nothing before the time until the Lord come. Notice why. He said, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness. Now that could seem to have a negative connotation, but I don't believe that it has a negative connotation. When you think about this, what Paul is saying, it seems to be, would be that what God will do when the person stands before the Lord is he is going to bring everything to light, even that which was done in secret. And friends, that may be negative, but it could also be positive because sometimes people do things in the background that will never be seen in the forefront, and it is actually something that is worthy of the praise of God as seen at the end of verse number 5. See, notice what he said. He said, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest or will make known the counsels or the motives of the heart. Believers, you have to stop judging and evaluating and analyzing and critiquing everyone. You need to let the Lord do that because when the individual stands before the Lord, the Lord is going to reveal everything, not just that which was public, but that also which was private. And God will also reveal the heart of the individual and the motive of the individual. And that is when the true person will be made known. If we can, follow this. If I've not messed this up and confused us all. Here are the believers of Corinth, and you know what they're doing? They are determining superiority one over the other. This one's better than this one. This one's better than this one. This one's better than this one. And on and on and on it went. How were they coming to their conclusions? with a very limited understanding of who the person really was. This one's better than this one. Well, how do you know? Well, just look at them. What's that got to do with anything? No, 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 this one's better than this one. Well, how exactly would you know? Oh, well, just look at how he handles himself in public. I mean, he's so popular. He's so well-liked. He's this, he's this, he's this, he's this. Someone else says, no, 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 no. Mine is better than yours. Well, how do you know? Well, look at mine. See, here's the problem. Everyone who was fighting in the church of Corinth, they had come to their own conclusions based upon a very limited amount of information. They did not know the secret things, and they certainly did not know the heart. See, on the outside of any of those men, of any other spiritual leader that could have been discussed with the believers in Corinth, any of those men could have appeared to be faithful, but not be faithful. 
And some of the men could have appeared to not be as faithful as someone else and actually have been more faithful than the ones they thought were faithful. Does this make sense? So what Paul said is this, believers, stop with all the judging, the evaluating and the critiquing and the analyzing. You let the Lord take care of that because the Lord knows far more about the individuals than you know about them. Can you imagine the believer's response in Corinth? (laughs) Well... I feel like I know them fairly well. Who cares? God knows the heart and you don't know the heart. Well, I've spent a lot of time with him and I think I know his heart fairly well. God knows the motives and you don't know the motives. Here's what you need to do. To the extent they are faithful, be thankful for it. But past that, keep your opinions to yourself. Because while you may be right, you could also be profoundly wrong from either side of the issue. I was thinking about a couple of stories. I've probably shared them with you in times past. I just want to Give this to us tonight for consideration, and then we'll be done. A few weeks ago when my father-in-law was here, he was visiting with my parents along with my mother-in-law. They were at the kitchen table talking, and he was talking about the preacher that he went to work for after he graduated Bible college. He was a rip-roaring, from what I'm understanding and from what I hear, he was one of those rip-roaring, stomping Bible preachers. He was zealous, he was passionate, he was a strong personality, he was everything that a preacher would want to be. The church averaged, I believe, a little over 600 people. Anyone at the time would have said, now there is a faithful man of God until it was revealed he was a child molester. But I thought he was a man of God. Yeah, you based that opinion on what you saw on the exterior. But see, God knew who he really was, and God knew the heart, and it is, it is not wise of us to jump to conclusions and say, oh, this one is when we don't know what's really happening. I was thinking of another preacher who a few years ago was pastoring a church of several thousand. And he's currently in prison because of rape. A few years ago, before all of this came out, everyone would have said, what a man of God. What a faithful man. No, he wasn't. 
See, God reveals and God knows the counsels and makes known the counsels and the motives of the heart. See, if you and I aren't careful, you know what we begin to do? We begin to place too much trust and confidence in ourselves to rightly evaluate who is, who isn't faithful stewards of the mysteries of God. Now again, whenever it is blatant, whenever it is obvious, whenever it is open for everyone to see, like the child molester or the one who was guilty of the statutory rape, I mean, at that point you say, well, I mean, I I can pretty much figure this one out. That's not a faithful man. We can come to that conclusion, rightfully so, right? Okay. But beyond that, you know what we need to be very careful to do? To just make assumptions that this person is everything that we think they are based upon what we see of them. Because here's the reality. You don't know who I am in private. And I don't know who you are in private. Now, that doesn't mean that we need to be walking around as a skeptic and as a cynic and as a doubter and things of that nature. But what I am saying is this, is we've got to keep this in perspective. We're all men. We're all women of flesh and a sinful nature. And we really don't know who is the faithful steward and who may not be the faithful steward. We need to be careful because that is for the Lord to decide and not for you and I. So here's Paul, and what does he say? He says this, hey, listen, y'all are busy fighting, fussing, and doing all the stuff you're doing in the church. You just need to remember We're all servants at the lowest level. We're just stewards. My only requirement is to be faithful. I'm not a bit worried about what you think. I'm not a bit worried what the courts think. And I'm not even really worried about what I think. Because the Lord is the one who will judge us all. And believers, you just need to stop with all of your analyzing and you're judging and you're critiquing and you're evaluating because you got to remember in that day in the end God will reveal who the faithful are who the unfaithful are and God does that because he knows who we really are just want to encourage us tonight be careful be careful because we don't know entirely on anyone. Okay? All right. Let's all stand for a word of prayer. Fathers, we come to you this evening. I pray that you'd help us to take heed to the warning that the Apostle Paul gave. God, I pray that you'd help us to be very careful to not place so much confidence in our own opinions that we think we know who is and who isn't. 
because there could be some who we don't have a lot of confidence in who are actually quite faithful to the ministries you've called them to. They are the servant that they're supposed to be. They are the steward they're supposed to be, and we don't recognize it. God, would you help us to just be careful to let you do what you're supposed to do and to help us just do what we're supposed to do. I pray that you'd bless the invitation however you would see fit. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.